Before I get into this message, I was just praying. I felt uh, impressed to share this with you. So I had lunch with uh, Matt Furr, who's a pastor at Center Point Church, along with Rick Garland from Epsom Bible Church. And we try to get together once a month just to encourage each other and to, um, yeah, just God's doing some great things at Center Point. God's doing some great things at Epsom Bible. And, and we're just encouraged that we realize that we're we're brothers in this and that we're working for our King, King Jesus, and there's no competition. And, and a lot of great churches, but for some reason, you know, I've, we've just connected with these and I was, I was sharing with him my concern about going to two services, which by the way, Easter Sunday, we're going to two services. I know some of you are excited about that. And I am today excited about it, but I wasn't always excited about it. And... Um, and I think this is what I need to share with you. So I was talking about this with, the, with these guys and these other pastors. I was like, you know, I'm a little bit concerned as we see a growing church and going to two services. And, and I was expressing my little bit of hesitation because we've been a part of big church. We've been a multi-site church with four locations and like 1,700 people at one point. And um, I don't know if that was the number, but it was a large number. And and, and then we, through letting those locations go, through um, planting another church from this, I call it a splant. It was kind of a split and a plant at the same time. You know what those are like, right? A splant. Like we celebrate it because any time that you can multiply something for the kingdom, but uh, I don't, I'm not so sure how healthy it was, but it took place. And so I was sharing a little bit about this, and I, and I said, I, my concern is I just hope that that I don't turn into somebody different as a church grows. That, like somehow, I love being in people's lives. I love connecting with people. And the more people you have, the less people that you feel like you can connect with. And, and you know you grow a team and you, you um, have other people. You, by the way, if you're not in a small group, that's where you're going to be known and that's where you're going to be heard and seen. And we're going to be launching our life groups coming up here in a few weeks. Um, after, after Easter. We want, that's where your care takes place. That's where your growth takes place. But I was, I was saying, you know, I'm a little concerned and it's like, and, and when I say this, it has no reflection on who you are as, as people, as a congregation. But I was making a generalization based on my past hurts of being a part of a big church and then seeing it unravel is I said, like, I hope it doesn't become the beast that either you've got to feed or the beast that just like takes on multiple heads. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with this thing? And, and then you change as a person or somehow it feels like the weight of it. And I was expressing it with these guys. And so, so he goes, like, what are you concerned about? Well, I said, I just, I'm concerned about who I would become. Like, I'm just happy being a person who loves people and sharing Jesus. Like, I don't want to be known for anything. I just want to be, well, I do want to be known as a faithful Jesus follower, but that's it. And, and so I was just kind of wrestling through this stuff. And he says, well, it sounds like you, you're really struggling with fear. And, and I said, you're probably right. You're probably right. Because, because in the bigger church model, it was the very thing that brought hurt into my life. And and going through releasing our locations and going through a splant and uh, having some people that you really loved, you know, not treat you so well. And, and so it was 
all that brought some, some of these emotions to the surface. And, and he goes, so, so you're afraid of a bigger church? I said, I kind of am. <laughs> and, and he says, well, you need to take it to the Lord and really ask him how you can overcome your fear of, of a growing congregation. And, and I said, you know what? I, in that moment, I felt like the Lord gave me something. And where I initially saw a beast as something that could, that could potentially harm me or something that could potentially get out of control or something that I would feel like I would become different and I would see this entity, this, this large thing as not a positive thing, immediately the Lord sh- showed me the bride of Christ and the train of her robe growing. And it was at that moment that something changed in my heart to say, why wouldn't I want to see a growing, radiant bride? Why wouldn't I want to see a larger influence for the king and his kingdom that his bride, that the church of Jesus Christ becomes more radiant? And, and so large is not necessarily bad as long as it's done in the right heart. And so God shifted something inside of me. So I, I just felt like I wanted to share that with you, that, that something has changed in my heart. I'm excited about two services. <laughs> I'm excited about whatever Jesus has for us. If it's to grow or if it's to shrink, whatever it is. But I think healthy things grow. I think that's the why the, our church is growing. I believe that we are the healthiest we've ever been. You know, we're healthy financially. We, we're healthy spiritually. And we really put an emphasis on on connecting with openness and transparency, and our focus is always Jesus and his word. And so if you're new to Grace Capital Church, sorry that I just kind of shared very (laughs) sensitive places of my life, but I I guess I wanted to come alongside you. If some of you are are concerned about growth, if some of you are concerned about, oh, Grace Capital Church, they once were a big church, and then they kind of resized and, and, you know, what's going to happen to them. And I just want to let you know that this is, we say Grace Capital Church, but this is his bride. We are his bride. And we are going to make him, his bride, more radiant. In that when he looks at us, his glorious bride, the bride of Jesus Christ, he's going to see an enlarging church that proclaims his name. And I think that would make him very happy. All right, there we go. Got that off my chest. I just share that with you. So the question that we have for today, we're going to be in John chapter 18. As you've been following along with us, we've been going through each chapter. Today, I'm going to actually do the first part of John 18, saving the next part, um, second part for next week. Um, But there's this interesting thing. So remember that Jesus, the last three weeks, is actually recounting almost like one night into a day of Jesus' life. Three weeks ago, we talked about Jesus who was celebrating Passover feast with his disciples, and it moved into, um, now he's moving into the Garden of Gethsemane and where he's going to be arrested. But the question we had um, today was, was the question around uh, this idea of our purpose. It, we all have heard this 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 scripture in Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. 
Have you remember that scripture? How many people have heard that scripture? Raise your hand. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so many of us have prayed, like, I, I'm, my desire is to have a spouse. Uh, my desire is to have that car or that house. My desire is to have that job. My desire is to go to that school. My desire is, right? And we start talking about the desires that are in our heart. Well, if you haven't heard that one, then you, you'll have heard this one. Whatever you set your mind to, you can do. Dream big. Go for your dreams. Right? And our schools will tell us that, like, what is, what's your dream? What's in your heart? What, what do you want to do? Just go after it. Follow your dreams. And the challenge with that, it, it sets us into a place where, where we misunderstand our purpose on earth. And it, it sets us into a, long, a wrong place. When Audra and I were in our mid-20s, we were um, discipling a young couple. We were newer at a church, but um, I guess now looking back, I had ministry in me. I, I was just thinking this is what you do as a follower of Jesus that, who's passionate about them. We took a young couple that, that probably was our age, maybe a little bit older, who are new to Jesus, and we're, we're going to disciple them. So we would meet in their home. I remember this one subject um, came in, and we're talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says these words, where he says this in, in, first of all, he says it in two places, but in Luke chapter 22, 42 says, if you're willing, and he's talking to his father, he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, if you're willing, take, the, take this cup from me, but it's not my will, but your will to be done. Not my will, but your will to be done. And, and so when we, I started teaching this to these, to this young couple, Audra and I did, and and my head almost couldn't wrap around it. Not my will, but God's will be done. This is what Jesus is praying. So I'm thinking, okay, we're to be like Jesus. Jesus was the model for us. And so it's like, not my will, but his will. And why I struggled with that is because everything up leading up to the place was my will. What school I'm going to go to? Who am I going to get married to? You know, what do I want to do for my, for my job? What do I, you know, it was, what do I want to do? And so when it says, not my will, but his, the Father's will be done, it kind of unsettled me. It's kind of like, wait a second, how do I do this? And, and that's the question for us today. How do, we, how do we wrestle through this idea that we have desires, we have things that we want to do, and, and here it says, he will give you the desires of your heart, but yet he's saying, not my will, but your will be done. How do you reconcile those things? So here's Jesus in, in um, John chapter 18. And you know, Judas has now betrayed Jesus and Judas is taking uh, temple guards to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus and his disciples often were, uh, were, so Judas knew where to find him. It's interesting, they said in verse 1, they, the disciples crossed the brook of Kai, uh, Kidron. Kidron is actually a little brook that probably would have been running with blood at this time. Why? Because this is Passover. Uh, the temple, uh, they would have streams flowing through the temple to take away all their ceremonial stuff, and so it would probably already be red. Um, with blood for all the sacrifice of Passover, all the lambs that were slaughtered um, in that sacrificial, sacrificial system. And then we have um, Judas coming in with the temple guards, and we have Peter who takes out a sword. He 
lops off. Um, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't even a soldier. I think Peter was a little bit of a coward. He lopped off. I think it's probably from behind because depending if he's left-handed or right-handed, he took off the right ear. And so to take off the right ear, you'd have to be whatever handed. We think he took it from behind. So, but it was just a servant. It wasn't even a guard. Jesus says, Peter, what are you doing? Puts the ear back on, heals him. And <laughs> it's like, only Jesus, right? It's like, Peter, really? Pick up the ear, put it back on. Healed in Jesus' name. So, so here's what it is, though. Because Jesus says, who do you seek? Who do you seek? And, and he says, well, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. Now, in this translation, it says, I am he, but actually it's translated, I am. And, and, and the power in the name of Jesus, it later goes on and says that everybody fell back. They drew back and fell to the ground when he said, I am. So the reality is, is, is Judas thought he was like going to, he sold him out for some silver. They thought they were going to get rid of him easily. But Jesus knew all along his purpose on earth was not only to teach people about the kingdom of God, but his purpose was to go to the cross for you and I. Like so many people got baptized today, which is an identification of saying, you know what, I'm dying to myself, my old ways, my will, and I'm coming out out of the waters, not only a new creation, but now saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, and no longer is it my will, but your will be done in my life. And so here Jesus then goes into this place and says, I am. They said, they again ask him, Jesus asked him, who do you seek? And this is Jesus of Nazareth. It's like, I told you, here I am. Don't involve my disciples, here I am. And because Jesus knew this was what his purpose was in his life on earth is to have to suffer these things and go to the cross to take care of all the sin for all of generations, all in the past, all in the future. And so here it is in verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter after he lopped off the, struck the priest's servant, cut off his right ear, he says to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This is that moment where Jesus says, not my will, but thy will would be done. Your will, God, be done. My Father in heaven, you have purposed me. And then he says, but if it's possible, take this cup from me. Remember when he prayed, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And so do you realize that here's the, here's the battle between Jesus as fully man and fully God at the same time, realizes that he knows what he's going to have to suffer. And he says, God, if there's another way. If there's another way. But then he says, not my will, but your will be done. So, so I think when we start asking this question about, he gives us desires of our heart, we think like, well, we come to Jesus. Jesus, you're just going to bless me. You're going to, like you own a, a cattle on a thousand hills and, and I'm just going to live this blessed, glorious life. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Riches and glory and fame. Amen. Amen. See, some of you res, res, you want that. <laughs> Amen. But can I say that that's, if God's purposed that, sometimes God has purposed people to step into roles of fame and roles of, of needing extra wealth 
because they're to steward that for something of God's kingdom. But it's, but it's God's purpose in that. And so Jesus, when he comes to that place, he realizes that his purpose is to drink this cup and this cup of suffering that the Father has intended for him. So I don't see anything about fame and prosperity and good health and wealth. And in that verse, I see that a person who's humble and submitted to, to the Father and says, you know what, this doesn't feel good, but God, not my will, but your will be done. And then he comes to this place where he's going to be asking that of us. Would we be willing to say, God, it's, it's not about me. It's about your purpose for me. It's not about me. It's not about what I desire. It's not about, about what I want in life. And yet we have a culture and a world that says, follow your dreams. Do whatever is, is in the desire of your heart, right? We, for, we forget this delight yourself in the Lord part of it. And I think it follows the, um, this other verse that goes, goes along. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added to you. We, we forget these first parts of these verses, and we say, and all these other things will be added to me. Like, oh, all the things that I want to be added to me, Right? <laughs> And then your mind goes wild with whatever you want. You know, your vacation homes and your jets. And I mean, it kind of be cool to have a jet. I wouldn't mind. Where do we want to go tomorrow? Let's hop on the jet and go there and not have to wait in lines of the, the public people, the commoners. I just get on my jet. And doesn't the Lord just want to... So the church, I know it's very humble at the beginning of the service telling you it's about Jesus, but I need you to give today to fund my jet. <laughs> okay, some of you are going to hear that and like, see, I'm just really confused now. Why did he just say that? It was a joke. It was completely a joke. I have no desire for that. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> but I think the trick in that is it's like we think we can have it all, right? We think that we can just, we'll, we'll give our life to Jesus and then he will give us the desires of a heart. He will, and all these other things will be added to me. But, but what we forget is seek first the kingdom. So what that means is like, God, what is on your heart? God, what is your plan for my life? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then God will give you some instructions for your life, and these things will be added to you as you're following Jesus, as you're following your Father. Delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, when we delight in God, we say, God, you are our Father. I delight in you. What happens is when we delight in Him, our heart becomes attuned to His heart. And so then He gives us the desires really of His heart. That would be a good thing to take some notes on. I think that was pretty good because it's from the Bible. It's from the Bible. <laughs> Right, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you his desire that will be placed in your heart and then you'll match his desires with the, your desires. But let me, let me tell you, I, I don't believe that if you look through scripture, it was about give your life to Jesus and you'll just have a good life. I see the scripture of people who gave their life to Jesus and, and who followed their father in heaven and if they truly were submitted and humble before the Lord, they realized that life didn't always go so well, but it was very fulfilling. And they found great contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
They found purpose for their life because they weren't chasing their own dream. They were chasing his purpose in their life. And God has a purpose for each and every one of you. And if you're taking a little nap right now, I'm not offended, but wake up. And I want to let you know, God has a purpose for you. And it doesn't originate by you to say, here's my purpose, God bless it. (laughs) It originates from your Father in heaven who says, I have a purpose for you and I love you. Would you align your will to my will? Not my will, but your will be done. And it might take this place of that struggle in your flesh and say, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Because some of you will have to walk through some very difficult times. And yet the Lord is very faithful to be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. He will be with you. So here's a few action steps for you. Number one, the question for you is, will you submit your life to his purpose? Will you submit? Oh, where's my keyboard player? I feel like I want to like make some points here. And I'm always stronger at making points without a keyboardist who plays behind me. All right. He's coming. So, will you submit your life to his purpose? You got that? Have you asked that question? Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will. Now, it's hard. I I understand it's going to be a wrestle because... We've been conditioned by our world to say it's, it originates with you and then you ask for God's blessing on top of it. We have to flip around and to realize it originates from him and our job is to align our will to his will and we're to submit to him. Number two, be honest with your hopes, wishes, and dreams but willing to surrender them. It, it's not a bad thing to have hopes and dreams. It's not a bad thing to desire things. It's not a bad thing to say, God, man, I would love this. But you always have to end it with with this statement. It's, but God, if it's not what you have for me, I'm okay. Some of you have prayed to conceive and haven't been able to, and you've had to come to terms with saying, you know what, it's not my will, God, it's your will. Some of you have been disappointed by expectations in life, whatever they be. Finding a spouse, a marriage that didn't make, by the way, God intends marriages to work. God intends marriages to work. But God doesn't control people. You see, life is hard and we live in a broken world. And so when things happen, we realize that that the world also has influence. The enemy has influence and wants to break things and destroy things. And, and, but we keep coming back to this place of humility. And that pastor challenged me. I don't know if it was Matt or Rick. I think Rick just told me I need to go to therapy or something. <laughs> he was joking. But I think Matt basically said, would... Would you be okay if God chose to do something so significant at Grace Capital Church? Would you be okay with it? And if I 
allowed fear from past things rule me, if I basically said, God, I, I don't want to ever do that again, and we do that, right? When the places that we get hurt, we say, so we don't want to go back there, right? Because that's where we faced hurt. And, and yet God is just saying, but if that's my plan and my purpose, would you be willing? And I had to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Number one, will you submit your life to his purpose? Not my will, but your will be done. Number two, be honest with your hopes and dreams and wishes, but be willing to surrender them to him. I, I kind of feel like it's this way. It's like, write them out and then pass it over to God and say, Father, this is what I desire, but you get to decide what you want to do with that. It's okay to tell him what you desire. God, this is what I desire, but I give you the ability to decide what goes on here. And that's powerful because it's important to, to be real with your emotions. It's important to be real with how you feel, and, but, but always submit it to him. And it's like, Lord, this is, this is yours because my life is yours. So I'm going to trust you with my life. But I'm submitting my, my hopes, dreams, and plans to you. I'm surrendering them to you. And lastly... When the scripture says that any one of you wants to be our, a follower of Jesus, that he says to pick up your cross and follow him, I think what he means is, is that you have to be willing to journey like Jesus. I think many people, we talked about this last week, this, like, uh, this idea that we aren't to be like Jesus. Remember I asked the question, somebody was challenging, was like, why forgive like Jesus forgave? You know, it's like, Father, forgive them for they didn't know not what they do. And, and it's like, you're not Jesus. I, I said, I understand, but we are to be Christ-like. We are to be like Jesus. So when he says, pick up your cross and follow me, I, I believe that what he's saying is, is you realize that your life is not your own. It's been purchased by Jesus. And our job is to walk and journey with him. And, and, and in case you... I don't want you to leave here feeling like, oh, this is going to be a boring life. I just have to do what he says. Wah, wah, wah. Can I tell you, is, is there going to be the most exhilarating life? It will be the most exhilarating life. It will, some of you, it will make you so uneasy. Some of you, it will make you, it will be like, oh my word, I never thought possible. But it's going to drive you to your knees. You're going to have the most phenomenal relationship with the Lord because that's the only way you can accomplish the things that he's purposed for you. It's going to start making you feel alive because you have great purpose and, and your identity is rooted in him. And you're going to realize that God has a plan and a purpose for me. And it's going to be a wild journey. And it's going to be good, but it might be really hard. Back in 2014... The uh, founding pastor um, at the time was determining that his season was, was up. I think Grace Capital Church was formed in 1998, 2000 or something. First met at Pembroke Academy, first met at Dame School, then Pembroke Academy, and then, um, then we built this building in 2004 or 2006, around there. 
But I remember when he was leaving in 2014 and, and he was, um, he had a meeting with Audra and I and he says, you know, I feel like my season's up. Would you, um, I'm considering, I'm oh, not considering, I'm asking you if you would take this over. And at the time we had three locations and we were the location pastors up in Laconia. And I remember like, well, that's, that's nice. But I also knew how There's a lot of turmoil already going on. And um, so it's like, why would I want that? Right? Why would I want that? I'm just happy up here in Laconia, just loving on people and serving Jesus. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. Right? That's the, the pat Christian answer when you really want to say no. So I'll pray about it. Right? <laughs> and then you never get back to him. Right? I'll pray on it. It's like, you're so spiritual. Do you... Like, did you really pray about it or was that your way out, right? I'll just pray about it. Well, I actually did pray about it. Thankfully, I actually did pray about it. And as I was praying and, and I really felt like I wanted to say no, there was nothing in me that had any desire to take this on. And I remember um, I was traveling from Laconia here to have that meeting and I was pretty determined to say no at that time. Uh, we would have been happy just to stay up in Laconia. And I remember it was, it was from, that, from the parking lot to his office, and I heard these words, and, I say if you, and I, the words were saying, if you say no to him, you're saying no to me. Oh, man, I can't say no. <laughs> um, if you say no to him, you can't say no to me. And... I think sometimes that's where not my will, but your will be done comes into place. Because sometimes it's my desire of my heart was just like, we'll be happy. We'll just keep pastoring up in Laconia. But when the Lord says something, we need to yield to that. And he had a purpose for Audra and I to serve at the time multi-congregations and now this congregation and I didn't see it unfolding the way it did but I just knew that the God had called me to this and I'm glad he didn't show me all the hardship that would go on for those years afterwards but I do know that it's so important to be willing to yield your desires to him today the joy now comes to seeing what God is doing. He's doing a new thing. And if I would have said of no back then, or if I would have bailed when times got tough, I wouldn't see the beautiful, radiant bride that is before me today. The church of Jesus Christ. You, who are faithfully following, trying to follow Jesus, who are saying yes to him in the waters of baptism, who are trying their best to live for him. I know it's not easy. This world has a lot of pulls. But I believe you becoming more radiant. I believe you're shining brighter. And you are the salt and the light of this world that Jesus is calling us to. And by the way, when we go to two services, it will fill up quickly. Why? Because 
because we're inviting our family and friends, because we're willing to not be content to say, you know what, just because I found Jesus doesn't mean I can't bring my neighbor or my family members who need to know that their life is a life of purpose, that God has a plan for them and introduce them to this relationship with Jesus, not only this saving relationship, but a relationship where we say, it's not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious to us. You love us so well. You've given us a purpose in life, but sometimes it feels like a bitter cup. It feels like a a cup of suffering and hardship, and yet, God, you don't waste anything. You make everything work together for good for those who are called according to your purposes. Jesus, thank you for being a model of a, for us to, in your humanity, know the things that you were going to suffer, but you chose willingly to submit to the will of the Father. And for that, today we can come here and we can celebrate you and we can realize that we're free from our past mistakes, our, our past sin, And we're free, Lord Jesus, from our hurts and our pain, Lord Jesus, because that's what you do. You redeem. You bring hope. If there's anybody here today that has not made a decision to give your life to Jesus, with every eye still closed, would you just slip up your hand and we'll pray together. I'm not going to ask anything of you. Just slip up your hand so I acknowledge you. Do you want to give your life to Jesus today? Slip up your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Slip up your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus today. I'm not going to ask, just we're going to pray together. You can stay in your seat. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord Jesus, for those who raised your hand to say this prayer, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life. Sorry for my past mistakes. I repent. It means I turn the other way. Lord, I thank you for going to the cross, for taking my guilt and my shame and allowing me to be set free from those chains that hold me to my mistakes, to my own selfishness, the things I've done wrong. Jesus, you did not only go to the cross, but you went to the grave and and conquered the grave by coming back to life three days later, overcoming death, overcoming the grave, overcoming everything that that grave would represent, assuring us that we would have everlasting life with you, Jesus, in heaven. So I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Today I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Lord, we celebrate those who gave their life to Jesus and we are just grateful for those who got baptized today. Lord, help us, help us throughout this week to say, not my will, but Father, your will be done in my life. Let us submit to your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.